All right, blessings to all of you. So good to be able to share this time together online. Perhaps some of you are joining us for the very first time. If you are, uh, I'm Pastor Terry. I'm the lead pastor here at Cornerstone Church in San Francisco, and uh, I'm I'm just so happy you're with us. You know, we're actually uh, stepping into a entirely new series. It's called A Time to Choose, and uh, we're kicking it off, and it's going to carry us into the fall. That's our plan here. You know, when it comes to following Jesus or just going God's way, uh, we all are going to find ourselves faced with what I call these um, fork in the road moments, uh, moments of decision, moments where we have to choose the way that, that we're going to go. And so, like I said, for the next three months, I want to sit with some time to choose moments from the Bible. And honestly, I, I, <laughs> I wrestled where to start. I I was praying about it. You know, part of me wanted to begin in the Older Testament. And specifically, what had come to my mind was the famous moment when Joshua tells Israel, you know, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as I pondered it, and uh, yeah, I just sat with it some more and prayed, I, I found myself being drawn back to Jesus. And I just felt like that's where our focus was supposed to be on his example, on the words that he gave us, on the people that he interacted with. <laughs> the illustration that, well, the illustrations that he used to remind us that when it comes to following him, there are always going to be these time to choose moments. Moments where we are driven inward and forced to search our hearts, to surrender our will even, to surrender to grace and to the call of God's relentless love that compels us to take up our cross and follow him. So, hey, let's just pray right now. And Lord, I ask for you to come among us. I know we need you. You know, you know where we are right now. You know our struggles, you know our aspirations. I just pray that you will meet us specifically where we are and that we would choose to follow you. Choose the embrace of your love choose to move in the direction that your spirit is prompting us to move because you want us whole and healthy and fully alive. Ah, that's our prayer. Be with us even now in Jesus name. Amen. So I want to start by having us look at a classic piece of scripture. Actually, I want to look at a couple of verses from one of the great chapters of the New Testament that leads into a specific uh, couple of verses that I just think, you know, every believer should be well, uh, how would I say, uh, accustomed to interacting with, right? Familiar with. We're told in Hebrews 12, 1, that um, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, now the cloud of witnesses, which is an interesting way to describe it, it's almost like a group of people rooting us on. The cloud of witnesses being referred to here are examples actually from the Old Testament that make up what is often called the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11. And in that 11th chapter of Hebrews, which is, again, one of the amazing chapters in all the Bible, you learn about people like Abraham and Sarah and Moses and so many others who are models for us of how to choose to follow God and and take a, a journey of faith. And in some cases, their faith was radical faith. And it cost them everything, but it gained them everything even more, right? So it's like, you know, they're, and their stories, known and read, are designed to encourage us. They're designed to be models for us uh, when, for, you know, I guess, for how it's done. Uh, 
right? how it's done. Look what it says in, at the end of Hebrews 11, uh, verse 29. It says, by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on a dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down and after they had been encircled for seven days. And by faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. You know, Rahab is an amazing story. She's mentioned here in the Hall of Faith. And the other thing that makes her story even more remarkable is that she's also mentioned in the genealogy of Christ. Think about that for a moment. In the Hall of Faith and in the genealogy of Jesus, right? I mean, it really is stunning. It's rarefied territory. And it's just a testimony to the grace of God. And I mean, what the Lord can do in a person's life. Rahab is an amazing example. But go, going on, it says, and what more shall I say? Now he's digging into the Old Testament. He refers to Israel, refers to Rahab. And then he says this, for the time would fail me, the writer of Hebrews puts it, to tell of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, and Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness. I love that phrase. Were made strong out of weakness. Whoa. Just sit with that for a moment. They were made strong out of weakness. I'm going to come back to that a little bit later. It goes on. They became mighty in war. They put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. And then it says, of whom the world was not worthy. Wow. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. I mean... When you really think about this, the testimony, and I think it's really important for us, especially these, these last few verses that are, you know, describing the kinds of things that these people who are listed in the Hall of Faith had to walk through. It, I think it's really good for us as believers living here in America at a time such as ours, particularly in relation to you know, how we choose to respond and react when we suffer setbacks, uh, when we experience pain or persecution or rejection. I'm, or maybe even we might have a sense of spiritual entitlement, which is kind of something unique, I think, to the Western church as a whole, that somehow if we follow Jesus, we're promised only blessing and protection that somehow we're exempted from suffering and loss and grief. And boy, I'm just not sure how that squares up with the testimony of Scripture. I don't think it does. I mean, I do believe there is a clear blessing that flows when we follow Jesus. There's, you know, the blessed life of the Psalms is something I prefer. <laughs> when I read about it, I go, that's what I want. I want the blessed life. You know, I want to be able to have abundance and uh, live a life of love and and have my needs met and and I think I, I, you know, I, if I had my choice, that's, that's what I would want. 
But I'm not sure, in fact, I'm, I'm positive that following Jesus does not exempt us from life's challenges, tribulations, trouble spaces, wounds, hands of others. It doesn't. I, I do believe we will have less self-inflicted wounds when we follow the Lord. And I also think that we're going to have a unique opportunity that those who don't know Jesus will never have. Because really, if you get down to it, what is promised to those who follow Jesus, and I hope that's you, um, is not exemption, not complete exemption from life's trials or difficulties or hardships. But what really is promised is his presence, his love, his life, his grace, right? And an access to a joy that is almost illogical, like that shows up when it shouldn't. And a hope because of Jesus that is utterly irrepressible. Think about that, a joy illogical and a hope irrepressible. You know, and when we choose to follow Jesus, that's what we are choosing. But I want to go then back to Hebrews 12, because Hebrews 12 pivots right off of what we read about here just a few minutes ago in, in Hebrews 11. So the link is between the two chapters. And the writer says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, all those people, men and women who refer to some by name, some whose names we will never know in that 11th chapter, in light of their example, in light of the fact that they are rooting us on, let us lay aside, look at this, this is now talking to those of us who would follow Jesus. Let us lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Do we see how we are presented with choices? The vibrant life of faith, like a runner on the move, um, stays lean and clean. <laughs> that's, that's right. It reinvents itself, sheds skin, challenges the unworthy, and makes adjustments. I can tell you after so many years of following Jesus that that is absolutely essential if we are going to prevail. You know, he, sometimes those adjustments are even not easy ones. They're, they're, they're sometimes rigorous and, and sometimes they're painful ones, but they are made because we want to protect what is most important, right? And we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. We've been given examples of how to do it in the scripture. And many of us have known examples in our own lives of people who've really modeled what it is to follow Jesus well, not perfectly, but well, and they have prevailed. And, and so we, you know, we understand that. And, you know, it's good for us to remember that the examples that are referred to in Hebrews 11, they were all flawed. They were, many of them were ordinary people, ordinary men and women. And we were told something. We were told they were made, think about that, strong out of their weakness. So what we need to say is that even when we feel like we have an area where we are vulnerable or we have allowed ourselves to be damaged in the past or we were affected by the choices of others in the past and all of these things are affecting us. And listen, God can bring strength out of our weakness. I need to say that to you, loved one. God can bring strength out of our weakness. So let's start with that. God can do it. God can do it. But 
We will need his help. And uh, we are going to need to cooperate by choosing to lay aside weights, right? So um, what are those things? But the the areas in our lives, the, the thought patterns, the, the practices that would slow us down, the extra weight that we might be carrying that he has not assigned to us, right? The word in the Greek is, is you know, I looked it up and here, it, it actually means, you know, entangles uh, this idea of of just those the weights and sins that, that are trying to get a hold of us so easily beset us the word is entangles something imagining your mind's eye something clinging wrapping itself around not a passive thing but like something that's wrapping itself around us and is is trying to cling to us and won't let us go that's what god wants us wants to help us lay aside and we have a part to play in that. And then some of that is going to just be the Lord helping us. But that's the goal, right? Lean and clean. Not carrying weights that we that God doesn't, didn't assign us. And not getting entangled in patterns that are sinful and self-destructive or harmful to our well-being spiritually. Really in, in every way. Because all these things are intertwined. And then we're told this, let us run with endurance. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You know, we're talking about being patient, and uh, we're talking about being steadfast. The Greek word hupomeno, uh, it, it has to do with the cheerful endurance. It, it's it's something that we we can do. We can do this. It's not about gritting your teeth. It's it's about anchoring ourselves in the hope and the love of Christ. And speaking of the the race before us, right? Let us run the race that is before us. Come on now. Um, we all have our own race to run. We have a race to run in this season of our life, and it's going to be unique to us. It's the race of faith that he has assigned to us. It really is in this season of our life. And, you know, Jesus, who is our greatest example, had a race to run. It was a race that only he could run. And so in the same way, we need to we need to be honest about the race that God is asking us to run. And so my question to you uh, is, how are you doing running your race? You know, it's a question I ask myself sometimes. Are we running well? Are we, how are we got ourselves in the trouble? Are we entangled and encumbered? Uh, if so, you know, are there some adjustments we can make that God wants to help us make that that will allow us to run better. Because listen, in the end, the choice is ours. It really is. One of the specific things that, that we are told to do in the, in the 12th chapter of Hebrews is it's in the second verse. It's, it's basically we are told specifically to look at the example of Jesus and ponder on a regular basis the way he ran his race. So there's a value in looking back into the gospels because and, and really all the New Testament, but in, so we can examine the way in which Jesus ran his race as a way of emulating him and learning from him. It's something that we are encouraged to do, exhorted to do, because it's essential for our, our own capacity to prevail. So look what it says in verse two, looking to Jesus, look at this, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, like I mentioned, we're encouraged to look to Jesus. 
He's our pace setter. If I can put it this way, he's the ultimate, ultimate runner. He's the ultimate runner. He's the true light. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith who showed us how it's done and who will help us to get it done. That's right. Looking to Jesus. There's, that's not a throwaway line. That's not a throwaway line. Looking to Jesus. That's just, that's, you know, when someone says, Oh, let's look to Jesus. That's, that's, I don't want that to just to be a, a Christian catchphrase. I suppose it can be. I get that. It can be, but it's not meant to be diminished because of this familiarity. No, it's an absolutely serious exhortation. Looking to Jesus with huge spiritual and life implications. Because you know why, loved ones? Here's the thing. Where we fix our gaze matters. It really does. In so many ways. It will define the story of our lives. And it's when we take our eyes off of him that we get into trouble. But if we keep him in daily view ever before us, if we can do that, we're going to be fine. And maybe sometimes we struggle, we may, may fall, but we're going to be okay. If we keep Jesus ever before us, we keep him in daily view. Um, we're going to make it. And we're going to be blessed more than we would have been. And we're going to be a more of a blessing than we ever could have been, should have been, or would have been. <laughs> right? That's why Jesus told us, you know, keep him on our mind. He said, he said, when you pray, pray, you know, give me this day my daily bread. And is he not the bread of life, the bread sent from heaven for you and me? Did not the apostle Paul say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? And did we not learn from John 15 when Jesus taught us that without me, you can do nothing? It's all about him at work in us. I was thinking about Psalm 84. I want us to look at this together. Blessed are those, we're told in Psalm 84 whose strength is in you. Look at this. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. I mean, this was a literal prayer for Israel as the travelers made their way to Jerusalem. And I see it as a prayer for us. Do we lead this life? This life of undetermined duration. But if you're listening to me right now, you're still sharing on in it on this side of eternity, but there's going to come a day when we're going to leave this world as we now know it. And we're going to reach if we have received Jesus into our lives and truly asked him to be our savior and Lord, we're going to go to a heavenly home. That's what he taught us. But between now and then is the promise. And what is that promise? Again, Psalm 84 is the promise is for all the strength that we need, all the strength that we need strength, to strength, like the blessing that's given to Asher in Deuteronomy 33, 25, the end of that verse, and as your days, so shall your strength be. And as your days, so shall your strength be. Listen, he will give us all the strength we need, loved ones, to run the race we have been given. That is a promise to claim. But going back to Hebrews 12, we looked at verse one, we looked at verse two, now verse three. After we talk about looking into Jesus, consider him, that's the Lord, who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. Why? So that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. This is a choice we get to make. 
Am I going to look to him? Am I going to reflect and ponder his example of endurance? I think it really is essential <laughs> that we would follow him and live well, sit with the cross regularly, and consider what Jesus modeled. And by the way, that's one of the things I think is, is, a, is a benefit of receiving communion and why we, we are reminded to do that as well, because we're remembering the cross. We are remembering how he, as the Son of Man, walked the path, how he modeled what it, it looks like to physically, psychologically, and spiritually prevail. You know, the ancient Christians, I mean, they chose to keep the cross before him, before them, right? The, the cross before them because, because it was, it was a symbol for them. The cross became a symbol for all believers for all time. It was a reminder of his love and of the example. See that? Don't forget that. It, it, it's a reminder of his love for God so loved, but it's also a reminder of the example that, that Jesus endured the cross. He moved through the shame. He showed us how to complete uh, our assignment when, when he, when he modeled for us, uh, accepting the father's plan and paying a price for you and me that we could never pay for ourselves. And so, you know, he, he gives us an example and it's an example that if we ponder, we will gain resilience. We too can learn how to overcome adversity and discouragement. I mean, that's part of what that verse is. Look at that. So that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. Think about that. By pondering the example of Jesus, we can strengthen our capacity to endure with a, with an attitude that is not defeated. We can strengthen our capacity not to be weary or to quit that we won't lose heart. Or as the other version puts it, uh, the older version, uh, that we won't give up. We won't give up. Yeah, one of the, I, I, that's one of the phrases that remi it reminds me that there are going to be these moments when we are going to feel a little bit like giving up. And it can happen, right? But if we choose to settle our souls in him, maybe some of you right now, you've been struggling. Part of you is going, man, I just, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I could do this. Be like giving up. But if we choose to settle our souls in him, apply his words, we, we can prevail. That's what I'm saying to you. We can prevail. We may stumble, we may hesitate, and we may fall from time to time, but we will rise again. I go back to Proverbs 24, 16, for the righteous falls seven times. Yeah, but they rise again. What we were told in Romans 8, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, you know, he dwells in you. Think about that. You know, the key for us, each of us, I just, again, found myself thinking about the need to periodically assess where we are in life. And it's good to do that from time to time. It's good to assess where we are. You know, some of us are in the early stage of life. Are we, are we, allowing the Lord to help us establish good patterns, healthy patterns so that we can run a long race. Some of us, we we're, you know, we're nearing the close of our race. If we're being honest, I mean, God could surprise us, but there's a part of us that understands our race. Our race of faith is winding down. And, um, 
what does that mean? What does it mean to finish well? What does it mean to run well? What does it mean to make good con contributions? Even as we sense the, the closing days of our lives, right? Our nearing, uh, whether we're young, just starting to run, whether we're older, maybe advanced in our years, sensing that our race is coming to a close, or rather, whether we're, we're in the middle space, early middle space, middle space, maybe a latter part of our middle space. Um, how are we doing? Are we running well? Are we cultivating our soul? Are we weeding the garden? Yeah. Remember, a garden untended does not tend itself. We have a part to play here. The garden neglected grows all kinds of wild things. For the garden to be beautiful, it needs to be tended. So it is with our soul. And God wants us to give attention to the things that really matter and not drop back into poor habits. And maybe that's my primary exhortation to all of us is whether we're starting or closing or right in the middle of our race of faith, let's choose to do things God's way and to run well and to keep our, and way, the way that we do that is by keeping our eyes on Jesus and looking at his example, honoring his example, staying near to the cross. It's not just a nice saying, it's a real thing we choose to do. Staying close to him is one of the best things that we can ever do. It's like my best, one of my best weapons for prevailing in this spiritual war. Some that I find myself in. It's one of the keys to running that long haul race. Remember, it's not the sprinter that wins this thing. It's not. I can tell you, I, I've seen it with my own eyes. I've watched, I've watched people sprint out of the gate in the, in this race of faith. And they, they chose to, to follow Jesus and yet they sprinted out of the gate. But I've, I've seen a couple of them along the way get, get beat up and get tired and they, they, they quit. And I really don't know whatever happened to them. I mean, I, some, in some cases, I've, I've watched some of them walk away from Jesus. And whatever else that means theologically, it's what I saw with my own eyes. And I've watched others just sometimes get out of the gate stumbling. And it wasn't always easy. But I've watched them prevail. They've learned to run well. They've kept their eyes on the Lord. They've made adjustments along the way. They've gotten better. Uh, they stayed, uh, you know, humble. Blessed are those who are humble, right? I mean, God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. If we, you know, resist the evil one, submit to God, you know, that the Lord can, the Lord can help us. It's what he does. It's what he wants to do. You know, I, I, that's what I'm saying. We all, well, we all have a race to run. We all need strength to run it well. The Lord will give us that strength. And I'll add one last thing. We need others to run with. It's wonderful, obviously, the example of Jesus and Jesus with us. Nothing's better than that. The cloud of witnesses that are rooting us on, that's fantastic. We have examples. We have people I believe in the heavenlies rooting us on, watching us run this race. But I'm also thinking about people in this life of ours. Others who God has called us to run with, to train with. 
And that's the gift, right? It's no solo run. It's, it's an opportunity for us to, to run together with others. Yeah, it's my own race to run, but I'm not running it alone. That's the value of community. It's one of the reasons we talk about it all the time. That's why it's where two or three of you are gathered together in my name. There I am in the midst. That's the value of church. It's the value of things like, you know, small groups. It's the value of building quality friendships. It's the value of iron sharpening iron. It's the value of two being better than one and a threefold cord not easily broken. I mean, this is the value. We get to have a, a race, but we don't have to run it all by ourselves. The Lord is with us. We've got tons of examples and we've got a lot of people who want us to do well, right? And let's be that for others as well. Let's just be a wonderful body that's encouraging one another. So I've got more to share on the other side, but I just uh, want us to be so blessed. Let's hear from the band and I'll come back around and close us out. But Lord, I just, yeah, I just pray. <laughs> I do, even now, for your blessing.
I just pray for our blessing. I really do. Lord Jesus, I just want to pray for you now. Lord Jesus, I just ask that you would be with us. Help us as we run this race with patience. Help us to remember that you are a great example. And we choose, we choose to accept you into our lives as the example you were meant to be for us, but also your presence, the people you place in our lives. Lord, help us to follow you and not quit. Help us to endure. When a part of us, Lord, feels like we can't go forward. Uh, help us not to be weary and well-doing, for we know that in due time we shall reap if we faint not. Uh, that's my prayer for all of us. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't quit. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Without him, we can do nothing. But with him, we can do far more exceeding and abundantly. We can, we can, we can excel beyond even our own limitations the sins of our youth and the weaknesses of our character. God can help us. He can help you and he can help me. May the Lord keep you, loved one, in every way, in spirit and soul, in your body and in your mind. May you prevail as a good son and daughter of Jesus. That's my prayer over you, a prayer of blessing in Jesus' name.